Amen. This summer, uh, my wife Karen and my son John have discovered the joys of binge-watching television shows on Netflix and Amazon. Uh, I'm busy teaching Greek, so I've had the pleasure of sort of watching them watch all of these shows, and you know, I guess the, you easily get sucked in. You watch an episode, it sets things up for the next episode, and so they'll sit and watch four episodes of the same television show all in one night, and as I'm watching them watch, uh, binge watch television shows, it suddenly occurred to me sort of a certain narrative device that television shows will use. You know, before the present episode, it will always begin with previously on Daredevil, right? And then previously on, you'll see scenes from the last episodes that are all designed to set things up for the present episode. And I've even noticed, you know, sometimes they'll reach back early in the season or maybe last season, like uh, previously on, and you see that blind samurai guy who taught Daredevil how to fight, and he hasn't occurred anywhere in season two, but back in season one, and now you sort of know, okay, I bet that guy's gonna, he's gonna be in the episode today, and it, the previously on sets up the, pre, the episode today so that we can watch it and sort of understand it better. And then when that episode's over, you might get next on, and then they give you some teasers to draw you into the next show, and I've seen how effective that can be because John and Karen, rather than get up, they'll say, oh, we, we've just got to keep watching. Now, I bring this up because I think it would be good, probably liturgically impossible, but good, if the pericable system could be blessed by a previously on. And, uh, and then when it's over, next. Uh, for instance, today's uh, pericope, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And I have to admit that just hearing this sort of playing out of the blue, I'm imagining that this guy's a younger brother, as am I, who had an older brother, as do I. Their father died, as did mine, and his brother ripped him off. Well, my brother didn't do that, but if that had happened, I think I would want Jesus on my side. And so I don't know, it just surprises me that Jesus just shuts the guy down. Hey, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? He just doesn't even consider helping this guy out at all. The guy just simply wants his fair share of the inheritance, and Jesus just shuts him down. Well, I think uh, this is a place where previously on might set up this text. Previously on the Gospel of Luke, and we might go all the way back to chapter 4, where Jesus in Nazareth begins his ministry by saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty, liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And how Jesus takes those words of the prophet Isaiah and applies them to himself. And then previously on, we see Jesus calling fishermen and tax collectors to be his disciples. Previously on, we see Jesus cleansing a leper, forgiving and healing a paralytic, raising the dead son of the widow at Nain. Previously on, more recently, in chapter 11, when Jesus teaches upon prayer, he gives his disciples the promise that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for it. And then more recently, sorry, it didn't make the pericable system, but previously on, we got Luke 12, verses 1 through 12, where Jesus warns his disciples about persecution that will come because they confess him. And you might even have Jesus quoted previously on saying, I tell you, my friends, 
Do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you to fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yeah, I tell you, fear that guy, God. And then previously on, but that guy, don't be afraid, for that you are more valuable to that guy than many sparrows. And then his closing words, don't be afraid when that time comes, for the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to speak. And that's where the previous episode ends, and then suddenly some guy out of the crowd comes and says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And now with context, we sort of see what a boneheaded thing to ask of Jesus. Jesus told his very disciples, you might get killed because you're following me. And if that happens, it's better that you get killed rather than that you deny me. He's told his disciples, don't be afraid. God loves you and he's going to take care of you. And in that moment, the most important thing is that you won't give a faithless witness because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. And then suddenly this guy comes and says, hey, Lord, I want my stuff. He's not been paying attention. What would be a faithful thing to ask Jesus? Well, how about this? Lord, you said you'd give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Lord, would you give me your spirit? Lord, you've come to establish God's reign of salvation for Israel and the world. Lord, would you give that reign to me? Lord, would you remember me when you come in connection with your kingdom? But instead, this guy wants his stuff. And I think the previously on sort of sets this pericope up because when I read this pericope just sort of cut out of space and time, I find myself sort of identifying with this guy. You know, if my brother ripped me off, I would sue him, I think. And, uh, you know, if I was a rich guy and my, my lands had a bunch of, uh, had a, this bumper crop, I would plan to build barns and fill them up. And I'm kind of wondering, these guys don't look like the kind of coveters that uh, God condemns in the Old Testament. This isn't David lusting after Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, or Ahab desiring Naboth's vineyard where they end up killing people. This is just a couple of guys uh, wanting their stuff and thinking about what to do with their stuff. And yet Jesus, in this context, warns the crowd with these words, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And so it's not just desiring what someone else has sinfully, but even desiring what is mine might get in the way between me and my Lord Jesus Christ. It might get in the way between me and the God who created me. It might get in the way of me and God's reign of salvation coming upon me. This boneheaded somebody out of the crowd could have asked Jesus for anything, and he asks for his stuff. In our American context, uh, I sometimes think the great tribulation we face now is not so much the fear that we might be killed because we confess Jesus. That's happening throughout the world and other places, but not here, not at this time. Yet we live in a very materialistic country where I think many people would think that my life does consist in the abundance of my possessions. I remember the bumper sticker back in the 70s and 80s that a lot of guys used to put on their muscle trucks and sports cars. It said simply, 
he who dies with the most toys wins. That's a, Amer that's a good American credo. Yeah, it's all about just, we're going to die anyways, but in the meantime, uh, let's just get toys, get possessions. And that's what sort of defines who we are. And then to this, Jesus in that parable of the rich fool would say, no, he who dies with the most toys dies. And then when he dies, what happens to his toys? Who will there be then? And that warning, so it is for the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And if we hear these words and feel the need to repent, well then, brothers and sisters, we ought to repent. But also something that this previously on and coming up next might do is sort of something else that's often missed with this pericope is kind of interesting who Jesus is talking to. Previously on, Luke 12, 1 to 12, he's talking to his disciples. In today's episode, he's talking to the crowd, but coming up next, he talks to his disciples. And so verse 13, after telling this parable of warning, he said to his disciples, to you, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food, and body is more than clothing. Later he will say, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And he goes on, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so sorry, I can't just stop with today's episode. I got to sort of uh, drift into what's coming up next. Uh, Mark Rockenbach is supposed to preach on that later, sorry. Uh, but to you, the disciples of Jesus, uh, this warning against covetousness, you are here to hear that. But Jesus concludes with this uh, warning, so it is with one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And rich toward God, I could see how I could get really uh, bad with that. I could say, well, here's a 12-step process to build your divine wealth, to be rich with God. And uh, uh, Rich with God. How, how do you get rich with God? That's what I would ask next if I were that guy. Okay, you're not going to tell my brother to give me my share of the inheritance. I want to be rich with God. And to his disciples, Jesus says these words again. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you his reign. By grace, God has given his reign to you, his children, through baptism. Jesus established that reign to bring salvation to his people Israel. But he has since sent out his apostles and his people into the world to tell all nations that in Jesus you will find repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus you become the people of God. In Jesus you become the disciples of Jesus, those to whom God has entrusted the gospel. God's reign of salvation has come to you and God has made you rich indeed. And so Jesus says, uh, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Right? Why? Because uh, your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions in this life. Your life consists in that new life that God has given you through his son, Jesus Christ. And so fear not, little flock. It has been the Father's good pleasure to give you his reign of salvation. You are his people. 
May the Lord God, our Heavenly Father, keep you steadfast in this faith and in this life, both now and unto everlasting life. Amen. And may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.